This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. Joining me this week, two star children here to set humanity on the path to the future, Kate Scotchless. Hello. And Kara Shimborski. Hi. I love that you make us sound like cult leaders. I mean, am I wrong? Uh, so <laughs> thank you guys for joining me this week on episode 271 of I Read Comic Books. Um, before we get the show started, I do want to sp- send a special shout out to Jeff, Danny, Tom, and Stephanie, who all sent us in very lovely, very tear-worthy voicemails on last week's episode. Uh, it was truly heartwarming to hear from you all. And honestly, I encourage everybody to send us in voicemails. You want to talk about comic books, you want to send us in something to play on the show, we'll figure out a way to get it played live on the episode so we can react to it and stuff. So we were trying to do last week, but we ran into some tough technical difficulties but anyways those those voicemails were amazing the four of you are absolute beautiful star children and we love you so very much everyone here at i read comic books was swelling with the love um that you guys sent over so so thank you so much for that it was truly truly like the nicest thing i've, I've heard in a very long time um but yeah let's uh let's let's get into this show let's let's talk about comic books it's a thing that you know i just like to do and we've been doing it for like six years so i figure we might as well do it for six more um how have you guys been? How have comic books been? Let's start with you, Kara. All right. I know this sounds crazy, but I went into an actual comic book store for the first time in like six years. Gasp. <laughs> okay. If you cough at any time in this recording. Like... <laughs> right. So, okay. But the reason I went into the store is because, first of all, I decided to go on a day when it was snowing in the middle of the day, assuming correctly that no one else would willingly be doing like any kind of errand that wasn't totally necessary. Mm -hmm. And I called the shop beforehand to specifically ask what their COVID procedures were to see if it was even a space I wanted to go to. And when I arrived, I saw that their door was propped open and I thought, you understand airflow. (laughs) Mm-hmm. so it was like masks everyone when they walked in had to sanitize their hands there was one other person in the shop and so i just like walked to the back of the shop while they were at the front at the register and i just kind of felt like hmm i don't like all this all this um covid variant news and i feel like i'm not going to be able to go to stores anytime soon so i'm going to just go like impulse shop the comic store and then Mm -hmm. like not worry about it for six months (laughs) so yeah so you stocked up on six months worth of comics is what i'm hearing well no but i was also just kind of like god i like i really hate that we're in a situation where you kind of have to shop big box stores because they're the people who are delivering and i'd really like to take every opportunity possible to shop locally so, Does your mm-hmm. shop not do curbside? Our local ones are all doing curbside if you call and ask and stuff. It didn't, it wasn't clear. And I was just kind of like, you know, um, part of the magic of going into a comic book store or bookstore is yeah. that you don't know what you're going to get ahead of exactly. time. Exactly. Like it waiting. really doesn't work that way. Right. So for, so like I went to pick up, uh, the copy of Immortal Wonder Woman that I, I talked about, um, I think, on the show a few weeks ago. So I picked up that and I picked up um, I, I impulse bought um, Bandette Volume One, which was digital nice. first like a m- million years ago. And um, I didn't realize that it had been printed. So I bought 
volume one of that because I loved that story. Um, and then I also got what did I get? Um, I got a non comic book that was definitely one of like the impulse buy things. There was like this enormous paperback about Disney Imagineering. And I flipped through it and it, it's just like full of all of these like close up shots of all these details in the Disney parks and the Disney parks as a concept have become a pandemic coping mechanism for me. So I was like, obviously <laughs> I'm buying this book, but mm -hmm. this design looks a little outdated. So I flipped to the front and look at the copyright and this book is from like 1996. And I was like, who has been carrying this new book around since 1996 waiting for somebody <laughs> to buy it? Like this store has not existed that long. This store has only existed for like less than 10 years. I'm like, who has been hoarding this Disney imagineering book but it just kind of reminded me of um something that the owner of um my previous local comic shop that i went to when i was younger used to say all the time hit one of his um like catchphrases was everything sells it might not be yeah. today it might not be tomorrow it might not be for 10 years but eventually someone will buy the thing at a price <laughs> Right, right. So that just kind of reminded me of that. Um, it's the free and, market at work, okay? Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, that was like my comic experience, but uh, kind of tying together the comic experience and, and, and the Disney experience. Um, so maybe about a month ago, uh, Mike, you were telling me, I think on one of our uh, lovely I Read Comic Books uh, Discord hangouts, mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. there are, in fact, Kingdom Hearts manga that right. because i because i was uh talking about kingdom hearts and how i'd never played it but i'm not like a video game person so this is not a huge surprise but like my understanding from friends who have played it is that the plot is confusing or non-existent and that's when mike told me that you know that's why they made manga because everyone thought that so the manga right. is the plot so um <laughs> so, so i read volumes one and two of kingdom hearts final mix which thank you mike for for sending me those links and telling me that that was like the plot of the first video game and so much, yeah. having having not played the video game which is like disney characters and final fantasy characters mixed together in a new adventure right sort of yeah yeah, yeah. So, so I have not played these games, went in kind of blind, just being like, Disney characters, give me solace. And <laughs> it's just so interesting reading this manga, because as a manga, it's actually not bad. Like the art quality right. is pretty great. There's a mm -hmm. lot of like the stylistic uh, beats that you expect from manga that's you don't see as much in American style comic books where there'll be like a few panels just to like set a mood or like mm -hmm. zoom in on a detail um, that we don't see as often because we're, we've got stricter layouts and less of like the, the atmospheric elements that manga tend to have. And uh, I, there were like a few things that were confusing to me like the the book starts with um Sora, Riku and Kairi on an island and they're all hanging out and then all of a sudden boom plot begins and everyone's off yeah. the island. And yeah. I'm like, 
what? <laughs> but then I remembered that, like, I vaguely remember that being part of Dragon Ball Z also. Like, just randomly characters yep. are places and you don't know why, but you're like, and now plot! <laughs> as as someone that's currently reading through dragon ball yeah like the opening is just like goku comes across bulma and then the story continues you're like why and it's like well, you know it doesn't matter they're trying to find happens. dragon balls don't Fine. worry about it <laughs> yeah, exactly about it. so um the king so the kingdom hearts final mix uh volumes were actually pretty interesting because they and again i don't know how it is with with the video game but they they hop around to all these different like worlds where these different disney properties are happening and yep. it's kind of like the plot of that disney movie happens in miniature but the things driving the plot now become like sora and his keyblade weapon thing mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. i thought that was extremely interesting and well done knowing that this was based off of a video game helped me understand some weird parts in the plot where it felt like something superfluous had been cut like i could tell that maybe there used to be a side quest here but it's not relevant right. to the plot <laughs> so it's not here yeah <laughs> and so they just explain it away really quickly yeah yeah so they're just like oh now we'll do this thing and i'm like okay i did uh, like okay so a, a foundational part of my identity as a high schooler was re-watching over and over again this pre-youtube video about kingdom hearts and how nothing happens in it so i was going into this manga being like they're gonna be in hollow bastion for a thousand years just doing errands and they were in mm -hmm. hollow bastion for like a page and so i'm like okay so i understand now why people are frustrated with this game if mm -hmm. so little of it is relevant to the actual plot so i thought the art was good i thought the plot overall like i could follow it i have questions but i'm guessing i'm in a better place than maybe people who played the game <laughs> Yeah. Well, the thing about the, the game or the, the, the manga is that like it's straightforward, whereas I think the games themselves are very convoluted, like unnecessarily so in order to create like cinematic moments, whereas the manga just has to keep going. Right. Like, there's sure. no like you choose your own pace. Like the manga is the pace of the of the comic or the story. So it's it's really interesting. So so two things I want to say, I understand that in the video games, there's a character named Roxas, but Roxas does not exist in this manga. So I guess Roxas was the character that like was your avatar within this world or something. I have no idea. This I don't know. So, so Roxas doesn't exist yeah. in this manga. So I figured like that's because Roxas slash the player is superfluous to the plot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing I want to say is um like the the main character sora who's got this keyblade thing he's got to go around like closing the the gaps between worlds or whatever is like also sort of trying to save his like friend girl from the island it was like him and this dude riku and this girl kairi and so they're both like trying to save kairi because her heart's been stolen or something but I get by the end of this manga that I'm supposed to be shipping Sora and Kairi and think, oh, like, that's cute. They'll end up together. But there should then maybe not be so much chemistry between Sora and Riku. Like, they've got a whole, like, <laughs> we used to be friends and now we're enemies tension going on. And they uh -huh, had, like, uh -huh. a really heartfelt moment on this island before they all got separated. And, and Riku started getting, like seduced by the dark side with like maleficent being the big bad of this story and i'm just I mean, like how cool is that right but i'm like 
but Sora and Riku definitely have more chemistry than just Sora and Kyrie being like, oh, but she's the girl and you saved her. It's like way more interesting to see the relationship between Sora and Riku, whether that ends up being romantic or not. But like, then why would you have so much tension if you don't want me to think that? Right, right. So that's my Kingdom Hearts update. <laughs> well, I, I'm glad that you are enjoying it. I, I will just say that. I'm glad that you overall enjoyed it. Because I know when you talked about it like two or, two or three episodes ago, uh, like it seemed like you were digging it. But I'm glad to hear that when you finished out Volume 2, it was an enjoyable experience for you to talk about it so so positively on this on this episode. Yeah. I mean, it was and it's it's gotten me down this like rabbit hole of Disney manga, like very, very mm-hmm. briefly. I'll just tell you, I read this other one called Maria and Marie. And it's like the girl cat Marie from the Aristocats from Disney's the Aristocats mm-hmm. is randomly like a witch teacher. <laughs> She's, <laughs> and she like so the, our plot begins with like meeting this like really absurdly rich girl child in japan and she's sad because it's her birthday and her parents aren't there and all of a sudden marie poofs in and she's like i'm gonna take you to 1910 paris and teach you how to be a witch and you're like okay sure sure it's like that that feels right yeah Yeah. it's like every shoujo manga trope you can possibly think of is in this book there's like the bad boy rival who there's romantic tension with there's lots of magical talking cats um there's whole sequences where there's like makeover montages and part of the magic is like learning how to do your nails really well it's it's so pink they're like they go on quests to like there's like this bowl of fruit at one point and the fruit is all talking about how ugly it is so maria has to like use her magic to make the fruit feel beautiful again (laughs) (laughs) it's so stupid and i love every page of it (laughs) that's fantastic oh my gosh well uh I, now I got to look into this because I don't even know. Like, is this why we went down the weird hole that we went down a couple of weeks ago um, looking into Disney merch? Because yes. that was a whole thing that we did. Okay. Okay. You know that what I'm going to do? That. Well, you're going to Kate's going to tell us about about her deal. And while she's doing that, I'm going to I'm going to drop some pictures from this manga into our, our live chat for our, our listeners who are tuning oh in with God, us right please. now. Yes. Please, please. Kate, how are you? <laughs> how have comic books been? All that stuff. Um. So once upon a time, I had a MacBook Pro laptop, and in a pandemic, that stupid butterfly keyboard broke. And so I waited over two months to have my appointment come up to get it fixed and get the parts in because everything, you know, supply chains messed up. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. I just got it back. Super exciting. All fixed and beautiful. Finally, don't have to use a Bluetooth keyboard anymore. Mm-hmm. And then it's been like three days and I sat down at my desk this morning to start prepping for the pod and wasn't thinking about it. Had a can of Diet Dr. Pepper in my hand, which I would never, ever set on my desk next to my computer, uh-huh. but wasn't thinking and was tired and set it down. And then I went to adjust something else on my desk and I knocked it over all over my freaking brand new keyboard. Oh no! So that's how I am. I'm like very nervous about how these keys are going to be when it dries Uh i tried to clean Mm -hmm. it up but it was like a not minor spell so we'll see fingers Uh, crossed i will say i actually did that recently i I like set a can of of soda down next to my keyboard pulled on another cable on accident like attached to my headphones and it knocked over the thing all over my keyboard 
keyboards nowadays i think are a little bit more resilient so oh, not butterfly crossed. keyboards not these bullshit butterfly bat keyboards i love okay. them the okay. like hand feel and typing on it is so much better for me than a normal keyboard mm -hmm. with my like hand stuff swear by them but also they are so fragile i had two keys break mike and they replaced the entire top of so the trackpad the battery the entire keyboard all was like one piece that had to be replaced, including the touch bar thing at the top. Oh my. Um, like it's just insane. It's like one it's like one piece of machinery. They can't just pull out yeah, one. Yeah, they, they can't just you fucked up two keys. Well, you're like, thank God this is still under Apple Care. So Jeez oh Pete's. Well, yeah. I guess fingers crossed then. Holy smoke. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I'd still get it fixed under my like ex I paid for the better longer insurance mm -hmm, when mm -hmm. I got this and so it'd still be covered I mean I might have to lie about what happened to it because I think sure. liquid spills are like one of those exceptions but still uh they don't listen to this pod <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so anyway that's where I'm at like spiritually and emotionally um in terms of comics I got Comics for a Strange World, a book of poorly drawn lines, which is the second collected volume of the poorly drawn lines webcomic. Oh, nice. For Christmas. And I actually got two copies of it uh, instead of two and three. So I guess I need to read it a second time now. I'm actually, <laughs> I'm just going to hold on to it because, so it's, because it's a webcomic like collection, it's not, it's not like an, a graphic novel. Like they're just comic strips. And so you don't need to read the first one first. So I think I'm going to hold on to it and re-gift it uh, okay. like as a thing in my in my back pocket for future. Uh, Kate's just spilling like all of her deep, dark secrets today. She's like, I'm going to I'm going to fraud Apple Care. I'm going to re-gift the thing that I got. <laughs> What's the third thing that you're going to is completely OK. <laughs> just, like I stand firmly by this. So in any case, yeah, I have two copies of this. I read one of them. Mm -hmm, this is mm -hmm. Riza Afar. Farazmand mm -hmm. um, is the author and artist. He also did Trashbird on Webtoons, who makes an appearance in this comic sometimes. But it's like this witty parody series of modern issues that's very absurdist humor with these um, animal characters and human characters. And like, I love it so much. If there was like, I needed a single example of my exact type of humor or sense of humor some of these comics would be it. Um, the This collected volume is not quite as consistently flawless as number one. So I'm guessing, and this is just a pure guess, that it was done in less time. Like instead of picking out the best of years of the webcomic, maybe mm -hmm. they did this over a year. Like it just seems like more of a day-to-day -day collection versus like here are the best of the best, the way the first one did. Gotcha. But it still made me laugh out loud when I was having a very bad week. And there are some fantastic uh, strips in it. So very worth the money. Now, here's the thing. Michael. Yes. You work at Kindle. Uh, well, yes. I mean, technically. Sure. Technically. Technically. So technically, this is your fault. The Kindle okay. version, if someone wanted to pick this up, is $16. Right. And the paperback from Amazon, option next to it, is $12. Mm -hmm. Because nothing makes sense anymore. But you should still buy it. So you should get yourself a paperback. It's cheaper. <laughs> I mean, I will say that I have no idea how pricing works at all. Oh, I actually do books. know the answer to this riddle. It's just funny to me still. Oh, so okay. <laughs> the reason is because um, there are 
regulations on how they can discount or not discount ebooks like in general oh. for digital copies of stuff. Okay. And so Amazon is allowed to do deeper discounts on the paperback copies of some stuff. This happens in books too, which is, I heard about this actually on a book industry podcast, not a comics thing, but it's the same problem where for certain things, they're not allowed to drop prices lower than a certain amount for the digital, but they can for the physical because they're regulated differently. Interesting. And that was set up because of some lawsuit with publishers and platforms like Amazon and stuff like that, that right. just results in stupid stuff. Cause they're allowed to make it a loss leader item. So the paperback is like $5 off or whatever. I think if right. you went to your comic book shop, this is a 16 or $17 paperback. Gotcha. Um, which you should, if it has curbside or you can go in safely like Kara did 100%. I'm so mm-hmm. worried that our local shop isn't going to be there after this. Um, but anywho, so I need to pick up number three, obviously now, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I want to finish that, but I found out while reading this, that this author artist, um, his first actual OGN came out in, last November and I need it. I need it so badly because I've only ever read these like cartoon strips from him from poorly drawn lines, which is the website you can go to for this strip. But then also on Webtoons, and Webtoons might actually have poorly drawn lines now. I haven't checked in a while. Mm-hmm. But Webtoons had Trash Bird um, on there for forever. It was like my go-to first read when I was checking what had new uh, updates. Although I think Trash Bird has since ended. Um, but I need this, this OGN so badly. Uh, so stay tuned for future reads. Yeah, I'm looking at a preview of the, the OGN and it looks... I might be able to get into this. Like, I, I don't think that the web strip was actually a thing that I, I don't remember being that into it, but I think I like this guy's sense of humor, this creator's sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely might check out this OGN just to see what it's all about. It'll just be a- very interesting to see how this person does with like how he does with writing an actual story since the strips are very like short. Even sometimes mm-hmm. there's like a sequence of them, like three days in a row that tell more of an extended story, but it's kind of like, a, a joke with the punchline right. not a true like narrative arc kind of thing right so um it'll be really interesting to see how they do and i just i really really like this style of artwork it reminds me a lot of um oh shoot who's the person that does the drawings of herself is it like sarah scribbles or something like that oh yeah sarah scribbles yeah yeah it reminds me of that where it's like the somehow with just a tiny change in the line they make the face so much funnier it evokes Mm -hmm. so much more even though the art is so like clean and sparse it's just very good yeah this this art style reminds me of a much more serious book that i read like a year or so ago called sabrina uh it won like a bunch of awards and stuff it won like a a prose novel award even though it was a graphic novel um it's a very serious book not funny at all not funny in the slightest but it was a very good book and the art is in the same kind of simplistic style that um somehow can convey a lot of emotion without actually being like truly like full fleshed out realistic you know artwork which i think is a very specific talent um that is only grasped by a handful of creators yeah Exactly. Like if you can do that much with that little mm-hmm. boy, that is incredible. Exactly. Um, how about you, Mike? What did you read this week? Um, 
yeah this this week's been all over the place i've been like i just started a new D D game so i have been devoting a lot of energy to that um and then we sat down and played and i realized that i haven't devoted enough time and energy to it so <laughs> uh so i've been doing like a lot of you know extra homework for myself just to, to make sure that i'm like ready to go for that game um but other than that i uh i did sit down and rate read a couple books uh, I read Zach Thompson and Jen Hickman's Lonely Receiver. This is from Aftershock, Aftershock Comics. Um, it was really, this book was really something else. I, I saw Zach Thompson was talking about it on Twitter um, because the last issue had just come out and the first issue of I Breathe the Body had just come out. And so I picked up that book and I was like, you know, let's grab these previous, this five issue miniseries. Let's see what it's all about. And it is definitely something else. Um, it's a, It's extremely... I don't want to say graphic, but it's ex- it's an extremely abstract, strange book that follows a character who like swings rapidly between manic depression or between depression and mania, and you can you can see the swings uplifting between the characters like emotions when the co- the pages are colored really bright, they're in like a sense of mania. If they're in a, if they're colored kind of dark, they're in like this depressive state, and then you get these mixes between both as they're transitioning, and it all kind of stems around this idea of our main character gets this smartphone thing that is a slight biological living device that can create your perfect mate for you. Um, but that perfect mate is just a computer. Kind of reminds me of the the Her movie that came out with Joaquin Phoenix and yeah. uh, Scarlett Johansson. Um, but it all it dives deeper beyond just the idea of you know being in love with an artificial intelligence. It goes into like the psychosexual nature of what is love and uh, what is like actual ro- romantic connection between two people. What where does the physiological and mental um, like boundary lie between those things is is it all physical is it all mental how do we explore that in an abstract space and it's all done in this five issue miniseries um i don't know if i completely understood the book like i think this is something that i probably would have want to go back and reread um but i honestly couldn't stop reading it like for every time i felt confused there were four or five more times where i felt compelled to keep reading because the, the 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 pacing and the way that Jen Hickman's art is drawn. It, it really sucks you in. It, it leaves you scratching your head constantly. But at the end, I was like, I think I get it, but I definitely want to read it again to make sure I truly understand it. Um, huh. Hickman's art is is to die for. Like if you read the book that uh, she did with Chris Sabella over at Vault Comics called Test, um, you'll definitely dig this one. I think that she really got to stretch her muscles in terms of trying some really abstract, weird shit. I think Zach Thompson has this fascination with the, the cross between technology, like human biohacking and actual technology. Um, you can see it in his other book that he did called come into me, um, where there are these, these weird mind things going on. It's a game that you kind of play with yourself as you can put yourself literally in the body of another person. Um, it's it's all over the place so lonely receiver i don't know if i could recommend this to people but i think that everybody should read it It, (laughs) you know (laughs) Uh, like that's that's the way that i that i kind of see this book i definitely want to go back and reread it um but yeah that's that's the one thing that's one of the things i read the other thing i want to call out really quick is kaiju number er, kaiju number eight chapter 24 um this is by matsumoto noya um I don't really have anything to say about this book other than if you're if you're not reading this, you should really catch up. It's 24 chapters. It's fantastic. Um, 
this latest chapter, the reason why I wanted to bring it up is because they've been kind of building things on like a slow, steady, exciting pace. Um, our main character is getting growing his, in his abilities of being this kaiju monster, um, but also trying to rank up in this kaiju hunting group. You got to read the series. It's all over the place. This, <laughs> Do we though? <laughs> it's great. It's actually, I don't know. It's really fun. It's probably one of the best like fast paced action manga I've read in a while without being over the top and like, like having too many goofs in it. Um, it truly, it truly is straightforward in itself. And I think what, what really blew me away for this is that there has been constant tension building about are people going to figure out whether he's got these powers or not. And then this latest chapter drops a huge bomb on the entire series, um, which I'm, I'm really impressed by because I feel like usually you get these kinds of twists either really, really late in the series or really, really early. And I feel like this was well paced enough um, and it's a perfect time to kind of make a major change in the book um, to, for the better, like to, to introduce some really interesting action and some potential for, for some, of all, some of the side characters to really show themselves that they've gotten little bits and pieces of growth um, throughout the last previous few issues. So Kaiju number eight, I think this is one of the like most popular manga that's coming out through the Shonen Jump app right now. So if you're a manga reader, you've probably heard of this. Maybe you've tried it. But um, yeah, it's this latest chapter really blew me away. I was really impressed just overall with the way that they're taking the narrative. So I wanted to make sure to shout it out in this episode. Um, anyways, two bucks a month. Everyone should go get Shonen Jump. We're definitely not sponsored <laughs> by them, but uh, <laughs> we talk about it every week. Um, let's actually move on and talk about comic books that are coming out on February 3rd, 2021. What are you both excited for this week? Let's start with you, Kara. So uh, there's a new comic book out called luna number one new series by maria lovett um and i know you're not supposed to judge a book by their cover but you know comics half like yeah. half, half the reason you're reading is for the arts so. totally fine uh so the the colors on on this this comic book cover really caught my eye it was like this rainbow explosion of pastels and reading the solicit for it it seems like this is a series about like this woman joins a cult, but it turns out there's actually magic and there's lots of like crazy shit going on. And I, you know, um, it's it seems maybe a little more like darker and weirder than stuff that I would normally gravitate to. But mm -hmm. sometimes I try new things. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes. <laughs> um, so that caught my eye. And then um there's multiple Star Wars series out this week. I'm not going to steal Kate's Thunder, so I chose Star Wars The High Republic Adventures number one. Ooh. Yeah. Um, the, the description of this issue is like, let's put Star Wars words into a blender and make new Star Wars words. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect description. <laughs> But uh, then they also name check Yoda and I haven't read any High Republic stuff yet. Um, so I'm just kind of like, wait, where is the High Republic in the Star Wars timeline? Like, is this mm. is this the true baby Yoda, like actual Yoda as a baby? <laughs> so, hmm. like, I know he's Are we going to get an explanation about. Right, right, right. Go ahead. You know, so I'm just like, what is this timeline? But like Yoda's in this book. So I guess that's to draw in people who don't give a crap about star wars beyond the characters <laughs> they already know right but um to i think in last week's episode brian said something like i just want to like star wars again <laughs> and <laughs> you know what this book feels like maybe it's for brian then too <laughs> so 
right. just not have to deal with everything being about Skywalkers all the time, mm-hmm. which I get. Mm-hmm. So those are my yeah. picks for this week. Yeah, Danny, Danny in the chat is saying that the Star Wars High Republic is taking place 200 years before Phantom Menace. So what? Yoda, Yoda definitely could be involved. I mean, there are yeah, potential so for all we- sorts of different things. Wait a minute. So then in High Republic, Yoda's like 700. So he's still probably a Jedi Master by then. Wait a minute. I thought the High Republic was like a thousand years before the Battle of Yavin. Am I mixing no, this I up think- with previous Star Wars canon? I just like, yeah. sensed a disturbance in the force that's actually Brian Murray at his house right now, clearing his throat <laughs> yes, and saying, yes. well. <laughs> no, I think you're getting this mixed up with Knights of the Old Republic, which takes oh, place. Yeah like a thousand or so years before the battle of Yavin. So like, it's understandable to be confused because star Wars, they just don't give a shit. And they're just like, you know what? Forget everything. Nothing matters except for when we make it matter. This isn't a star Wars podcast. (laughs) Not yet. So let's stop here and talking about that. I'm going to just jump over to Kate. What's your pick for this week? Uh, my pick is Star Wars: The High Republic number two. So actually, in this bitch. timeline, it says, <laughs> according to the mythology, it says it's centuries before the Skywalker saga. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. Multiple you centuries. Cry. That has to be Multiple more than two centuries. centuries. God. Yeah. Uh, it says centuries before the Skywalker saga. Uh, Jedi at their at their height, protecting the galaxy as Republic pioneers push out into new territories. So this High Wait Republic series <laughs> this is relevant to what you're saying, I promise. So you're telling me that 200 years before Emperor Palpatine takes over, the Star Wars, like the Jedi are at their peak and just now they're expanding the galaxy, presumably into what we know as the Outer Rim. And within 200 years, all of that just crumbles like, Did I you understand not that- witness and live through the last four years in America? Come on, Kara. <laughs> 200 years? Th- okay, so 200 years back from us, that's like the early 1800s, right? So we're thinking mm-hmm. Industrial Revolution, people have empire waist dresses. Like, we didn't... We've had we've had monumental change, but we haven't explored whole new swaths of the galaxy and have a whole religious order crumble to the ground. Like, well, anyway, I mean, I think in the defense of, of the Star Wars, like they also have a ton of extra technology that we don't have access to. Right. Because in the world of Star Wars, like the technology really doesn't change no matter how long you go, because even if you go yeah. back to stuff like Knights of the Old Republic, they're still using phasers and they're still using warp speed. So technology has an advance, which means that either we've hit a peak of technology and we're just kind of riding that peak or there's just no one trying to advance it but nonetheless that allows them to travel to far distant lands and do all this different stuff like colonize different planets and things so that's that's my justification all i'm saying is i expected from all of what my nebulous understanding of the high republic is that it took place in the distant past 200 years is not the distant past 200 years is we have steam locomotives you know like it's only a few generations back it's not ancient history yeah yeah (laughs) i guess this is a star wars podcast now so in so in the high republic as opposed to the high republic adventures this one (laughs) is out on the frontier following uh, what a character I assume they intended to name Kevin Tennis, and then they're like, "That's not Star Wars enough. How about Keeve Trennis?" And they're like, "Yeah, the yeah. R makes it Star Wars." Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> so uh, that 
this is a Padawan who's facing the ultimate choice. Will she complete her Jedi trials or rescue innocence from disaster? New Jedi, exclamation point. New ships, exclamation point. New evils to fight, exclamation point. So obviously we're hyped. New toys. No, no. Exactly. It takes place in the past. It is old Jedi. It is old ships. It is old adventures. I hate everything about this. Oh my God. Um, Actually, Kara, all of Star Wars is in the past in a galaxy far, far away, long, long ago. All right. All right. Okay. Let's calm down here. So, Kate, what, are, you're excited about this? What I'm attempting this? to tell you is that I am not buying this. I am definitely trade waiting because right. this is a mini series. It's a six issue mini mm-hmm. that I have not read the first one of. So, grain of salt on this as a thing I'm hyped about. But it looks cool. I definitely am going to read the mini, like the trade when it comes out. I just have no interest in reading it month to month when I know that this will be like a fast paced, like just Star Wars run around fighting stuff, saving, yeah. saving people. Uh, so catch me in like four months when this trade comes out. All right. <laughs> uh, well, for me, really quick, because I realized we were, we were recording so long today. Before I get into my comic pick, like I've said, for the last couple of weeks, it's 2021. We're doing something wild. If you want to get a $20 gift card to your local comic shop, Comixology or Midtown Comics, all you got to do is share the show publicly on in, on Instagram, Twitter, or social media in some capacity. Make sure to tag us so that we know, and you could win $20. So if you haven't already done that, you should definitely do it. We're allowing people to do it once a year, but, you know, just keep sharing the show. It really actually definitely helps us. Um, for with my $20, pick this week, with $20, yeah, I mean, $20, you could buy yeah. Star Wars The High Republic, Star Wars High Republic Adventures, and have leftovers <laughs> to get Mike's pick. My pick, which is, I, this is a, I, you know, that's what I should have written. Uh, but my pick this week is Fear Case Number One. This is by Matt Kent, Tyler Jenkins, and Hillary Jenkins. I don't know what this is. The cover makes it look like it's going to be horror detective mystery garbage that like these trio do really well. I mean, Matt Kent, Tyler Jenkins, and Hillary Jenkins working together is is a perfect yeah. creative team as far as I'm concerned. Um, if you're looking for uh, uh, other series that they did together, uh, I think they worked on uh oh man now i'm losing the name of it uh it's uh grass kings volume one or grass kings the series mm-hmm. i think it was a two volume series is beautiful um everybody should go read that as well um i'm excited to see whatever this is i don't know what it is i'm just excited so give it to me uh, i've got that pre-ordered ready to, to come to my yeah tyler jenkins iPad. is one of those artists where it's like oh he's on it okay i'll pick this up exactly like, exactly that good exactly um well we're gonna take a quick break here and we come back we're gonna be answering the question what are your weird comic habits and we have got quite a bit of notes for that so we'll be back in just a second for our show this week we are talking about well, the weird comic habits that we have, like what what is it that you do when you're sitting down? Do you have a comic book ritual? Do you like digest certain books a certain way? Do you have to be in the right mood to pick up some types of comics? How do you read digital issues? How do you read single floppies? How do you read OGNs? Do you sit down with the correct cup of tea or something like what makes like your entire comic book reading experience very unique and very you? Um, I've got a bunch of questions that I kind of pose to Kara and and Kate here. Um, I guess to get started, I mean, I 
I will say that my comic book reading ritual for the most part, like when I sit down to do things is I grab my iPad nowadays and I just plop down on the couch. I've got like a soda or a water ready um, and I sit like prop up my legs and I just get going and I'm, I'm reading single issues. And if it's reading single issues versus manga or something, like if I'm reading comic books, I usually hop around. I don't usually do binge reading um, unless I'm doing binge reading. Then I'm like only reading that one series. I'm not reading anything else that day. That's kind of like the beginning of this thing. But I guess, Kara, uh, Kate, what are what are your habits, at least just to like sit down and get ready to read comics? I, I think I had a different assumption of what this prompt was going to be. <laughs> Because okay. when I okay. when I read what are your weird comic habits, I I just got mad at myself okay. and everybody else because I <laughs> oh, was no. like, why the fuck are we reading comics at all? This is so stupid. And I want to explain myself because <laughs> this is a very pro comic book podcast. Like we love comic books. We taught we have made it very clear multiple times that we love comics and we read them all the time and we have um they're uh, close parts of our identity that said why the fuck do we read comic books guys it makes no sense as a like as a consumer or as a creator and i, I know the answer two is, words for you yeah dopamine serotonin <laughs> <laughs> okay okay so so i got mad about this is like weird comic book habits and i'm like okay um so you've decided to read a comic book and you're going to somehow you either have to go to a bookstore or library and hope they have a trade or an OGN that you are able to find and looks interesting to you. And then you will see the price and you will think $20. I don't know about that, but like maybe you'll buy it or if you are located near a comic book store where you like don't have to actively seek one out and it looks like a store that feels like it could be welcoming to you and you go into that store and you are confronted by the array of comic books and you pick up a floppy and you look at the cover price of $4 and you're like, what the hell is this? You might not buy that book. And if you do, you have now spent $4 on an experience that lasts 10 minutes, maybe 15. And if it's a superhero comic, odds are you have no idea what's going on anyways, because you need to know the last 10 years of canon in order to understand something. Why do we do this to ourselves? (laughs) I mean, you know, I don't think that this is unique to comics though, right? Because I think if you pick up, you know, uh, or if you go back to when, you know, or books prose books were serialized in like chapters and you know you would pick them up like at the local newsstand or something like that it's the same kind of thing like you're not going to pick up chapter 15 of uh oliver twist or something like that you know you're 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 gonna go back and you're either gonna try to find them or you're going to trade weight until they're all collected into one edition right (laughs) wait oliver twist i mean i mean you're right Right. So like, I don't think this is a new concept. I think the, the, you know, if we, if we take a step back and try to like focus in on what you were talking about in regards to like superhero books and stuff like that, I think that's a problem just with the overall publishing industry when it comes to big two comics, where they want you to be hooked into something. They want you to be addicted to a comic. They want you to be part of this quote unquote secret little club that knows all about the X-Men or knows about the Avengers or knows about the Trinity or knows about Superman or just Wonder Woman or just Batman. Um, 
because that's that's like the mentality of comic book creators like someone at some point decided let's make things all a part of a continuity and because of that those readers then became the creators and then became the creators again you know and it's it's only like self-perpetuated itself which is why we as comic book readers really respect when someone can take a comic book character that's been established and create a standalone series that anyone can pick up so you end up with things like the dark knight you end up with things like the vision you end up with things like mr miracle that just anybody could potentially pick up because it's so much more digestible and understandable, even if you don't have all that continuity plugged in. Um, so I don't know. I realize this is way off the topic, but I, I just no, want to focus just, on that bit. Well, yeah, but it's, it, I don't know. I was just thinking about like how the whole experience of how specialized comic books are and how you get into them. Like, I, I guess you could argue that like books or music are similar in certain ways, but at least like music, sure. you could like flip on the radio or books. You can like, see i don't know they just feel like uh you're like you're more likely to pick up a book and have it be one and done as opposed to like part of a series as part of a universe um sure but i don't I mean, know this this just made me think about like thinking about how weird the whole process of like finding comic books is like it takes a lot of effort on the part of the consumer just made me think of the flip side of all the effort that goes in on the creation side and how the majority of the creators do not make a livable wage off of creating comic yeah. books. And then that made me mad. And then I just got mad at the whole system. But uh... what I'm hearing is that Mike sent uh, Kara into a spiral and has a lot of uh, making up to do. I have a lot so, of feelings. I'm... Hey, listen, I thought that I was pretty clear about what are your weird comic habits was being about you the person but i guess it could be applied to the whole comics industry my weird comic so habits I... are continuing to read and buy comics even though the whole thing is like designed to make it hard for people to get into comics which i guess sure. is why this this podcast exists on some level because we're like hey let's uh let's curate a selection for interested listeners yeah. but like you know I, I don't know is the is just a, a random person going to tune in or is this podcast only for people who are already reading comics? Okay. That's now I realize I'm getting off topic. <laughs> no, no. see, but this is a pro. This is the thing that I constantly struggle with is I don't know how list, like new listener friendly this, this show is. And I don't think that it is at all um, because I think that we, as, as, and again, I'm going completely off topic on this just because I, it needs to be said, like, I think we pride ourselves on this show of being people that can curate really good lists and recommendations for people, whether you're really into comic books or you're not. But at the same time, 90% of what our show offers is what I think a lot of diehard comic book fans want, which is like, discussion about books that they probably haven't heard of because they've already heard of a bunch of other books and they wouldn't know of where to find these other things or they just want confirmation that we're reading some of the other stuff that they've considered good and we also consider good and so if you come into this show and you don't know anything about comic books you don't know much about comics you're just trying to find some new books to read i don't know if we offered that experience that people are looking forward to because when you get into the second half of the first half of our, our show we start saying what are your comic picks for this week and if you don't know much about like how the comic industry works what does it even matter what your comic book picks are right i say like hey comic books come out on this day but like what does that even mean if you don't even know where to get comic books in the first place so like we're already you know we've already set up a couple of barriers for people um and i i don't know if we've gotten any negative feedback about that but i do think about that a lot like if i were to introduce this to hand this uh, you know an episode of our show over to someone that 
has never like isn't really into comic books like i know people that of friends of mine that are they like reading comic books but they aren't following comic books week to week and i think if i gave them an episode and said okay what what didn't make sense to you what wasn't clear to you you know that we maybe took for granted i think that they'd have a whole long list of things because um it's it, a lot of our show is kind of predicated on the idea that you understand a couple different things about the comic book industry before you even go into it um so yeah, I thank have, you for this therapy session. Um, I have two things show. to say. <laughs> One, thank you for joining me in my crisis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> two, um, you know, it, it's it's kind of like, like, like Kate said earlier. It's all about that that dopamine and serotonin. Like, I I feel like if I step outside myself and look at my love of comic books, I'm like, why are you doing this? Why does anyone do this? But when I'm actually reading them like i like i like the stories i like the uh linear graphic storytelling i like the characters in in the case of superhero comics that i choose to read so i guess what i'm what i'm really saying is i'm sorry i'm sorry for dragging you into my crisis but um what is normal versus weird anyways aren't we all weird in our own ways (laughs) Okay, sure. so I my comic reading ritual. <laughs> I'm going back on the tracks. <laughs> sure, go for it. Go for it. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, so I, I did with, assume yeah. you went personally, um, but I in in general, my comic reading ritual is to not read any comics at all for months and then binge them, like devour everything, like pick up boxes at the curbside. Um, for like about three weeks, as if someone's about to break into my apartment, steal them all and set them on fire. So just voraciously. And then I don't read them again for a few months. So that's a that's a ritual I adopted in grad school. And does it bring me joy? Uh, mostly no. Mm-mm. But uh, it does in those periods where I'm reading way, way too many that I than I should be uh, because I'm avoiding other tasks. So yeah. Well, I mean, there, there. I guess when I said weird, I mostly was thinking, what are your unique comic habits? Because again, there's no necessarily weird. I think Carrie, you're right. Like we're all weird in our own way, which makes us all normal. And I also saw that scene in Incredibles when the kid says, "If everyone's special, then no one's special." So I guess that makes sense, right? At the same time, like I'm sure that my hot habits for reading comic books are a bit different than everyone else, right? Like yeah. I, I sit down and I, you know, like I said, I sit down with a soda, I sit down, I prop my legs up, um, like I binge, you know, 20 or 30 books at a time, but I can only ever read like 20 chapters of a manga at a time or eight or 10 single issues at a time before my brain just goes, okay, I've put enough fiction into my mind today. I can't do anymore. Um, I feel like that number has significantly decreased over the years. Like I used to just sit and be able to read comics all day. Like there, there were times that I would, you know, grab a stack of trade paperbacks and single issues and I'd put them on a table and lay them all out and then just read through every single thing that I set myself up for. Um, and nowadays I'll be lucky if I could get through like a third of that same size stack, um, you know, of like 10 or 12 collected editions and single issues and stuff. So because of um, time limits or because you just don't enjoy doing that anymore. I, I honestly think that a part of it is that uh, there is a level of distraction that I allow myself to have that really pulls me out of reading. Um, like, and, and this happens at work too, where I'm like, uh, there'll be days where I can't 
stop looking at my phone because I'm getting notifications or I just am not in, in involved mentally in the thing that I'm doing. And there are just off days when I'm sitting down to actually read comics. And there are, there are like golden moments where there'll be days where I decide in advance, I'm going to turn my phone off or I'm going to turn it on silent mode, put it somewhere else so I can't reach it. And then just read comic books for like four hours straight or five hours straight or something. Right. And then you can, you can get a lot done. Um, but a lot of the times, especially now during the like, the pandemic times when you're constantly on your phone, constantly on a computer, or at least for me, um, my, my attention span is so much easier to just be distracted. So like anytime my phone buzzes, it'll open something up and then I'll go, Oh, well, let's check out Twitter. Or let's check out what somebody sent me on telegram or, you know, let's go to Instagram and let's just see what's going on. Like the world continues to move whether or not I'm looking at my phone. And yet I feel like I need to pay attention all the time. So like my, my problem is that if I get a notification from someone that they want me to read, you know, or look at a TikTok or they want to ask me a question about something, it'll put me on like a 30 or 45 minute tangent of doing that thing beyond what the person originally messaged me for. And then I'll go, Oh shit, I was in the middle of reading comics. Next thing I know it's midnight and I just, I can't, I'm done for the night. I can't really read. I don't want to read any more comics. And, uh, it's kind of a bummer, but I think it's it's just a combination of, you know, not having that, I don't know, for me, it's not having that daily commute and stuff that kind of focuses my brain on things and uh, allows me to get outside of just the same spot that I'm in all the time. Because since I'm in this tiny little apartment, I'm used to doing all of those things all in the same place, whether it's reading yeah. comics, checking my phone, doing whatever, um, always at, at either my desk or at the couch or in bed. And so like, I only have so many places I could sit in my little 600 square foot apartment. Yeah. And so there's no like dedicated, this is my reading chair. There's this is my four spots other, in my apartment yeah. to sit. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I'm I think that's... New York, so mine's 700 square feet. Absolutely. Oh, okay. spacious. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So yeah, I, I, I'm revealing a lot about myself here, but I think that like, it's, I don't know if other people are feeling this thing, but I, from the sentiment I gather just over the internet in general, I feel like a lot of people are also having these issues, you know? Yeah. So I will say that, um, a few years ago, Xander told me about how he always has his phone on do not disturb mode mm -hmm. to avoid getting alerts. And then he sees them when he picks up his phone, if he's picking it up anyway, and that he picks it up so often that it really doesn't matter. And I tried it and have never gone back that I set my phone to do not disturb. And then in the settings, I changed it. So all calls go through and everyone close to me knows that I do this and that if they actually need me and it's time sensitive, they can call. And mm. so I don't have to worry that like I'm missing something because I know that they can call. But then also nobody freaking calls except like elderly relatives. <laughs> like no one ever <laughs> wants to call. So I just when I pick up the phone, I pick it up. Um, I will say that my threshold for the number of single issues I can read in a row has gone down uh, substantially from like 2012 into the late teens of the 2000 you know like i did the same thing you're talking about where i just sit down i would walk over across the street to a speedway get just disgusting amounts of snack trash food like bags of chips and candy and a, <laughs> one of those enormous slushies for a dollar in the summer uh -huh, and uh -huh. come back with like 800 grams of sugar <laughs> uh, a bunch of caffeine and simple carbs and mm -hmm. then I just sit there with a stack all afternoon and night. And it was amazing. And it was the best time. And then I cannot do that now. Right. I do prefer to read OGNs in one sitting if I can. Like Same. I will purposely like 
not pick it up until I have time to do that. Just more more because I realize that if it's good, I'm not going to want to stop. And then I'll say, you past my bedtime and I'm old, so I got to go to bed. <laughs> same, same. Um, but for like for issues, I really tend to start losing concentration after like four issues. And so um, I often will kind of you know how there's often like that kind of halfway in a in a arc in comics that's Mm -hmm. where i'll stop in one day of reading and that's so weird but i think it's the same kind of thing where i just i have so many other things and so much other like anxiety of like stuff i need to be doing and things i should be paying attention to and things that people i want to talk to yep um that i just can't just sit there and be in my own little world which is a bummer, but also right now I don't try. I try not to beat myself up too much for spending a lot more time talking on Telegram and Discord and stuff like that, uh, because social interaction when you live alone in a pandemic is uh, pretty valuable. Right. So, yeah. But I, in terms of like when I sit down to read it, other than timing, it very much depends on format. Do you only read on your tablet? Uh, nowadays, I, I, like I'm, I'm completely digital for all of my single issues and, and most collections and stuff. The only stuff that I'm reading physically are there's a, like a couple manga series that I collect and OGNs and stuff that I pick up. Okay. Yeah. So like the sitting down, propping feet up with some snacks and a beverage is 100% how I do digital. Yeah. And my one of my aspirations in life is to get one of those waterproof tablets so that I can do tub <laughs> comics because tub <laughs> comics are where it's at. Yeah. Um, I love it. But so far, I just have snacks comics for my digital. But then, and I do like, usually that's with Hoopla, but I do have a lot of like humble bundle trades and some like Comixology sale stuff, but I've never actually subscribed to stuff on Comixology. Gotcha. So for like trades and stuff, I typically, I'm like a little neurotic about it. Like I don't want dirty fingers when I'm touching my trades and I Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. feel bad with the library books for the same reason, but then um, we'll still like sit down and get cozy, but we're like sitting up under a very specific light that's the best light and with like recently washed and dried hands if we're touching a floppy is it worth only a penny if that yes yeah. is it um something that i even am going to want to read again and has no sentimental value absolutely but i'm still going to be neurotic with this floppy for reasons that completely evade me oh i, I could have gotten it free on free comic book day and i'll still be like well Time to get in my extra, like, careful comics reading mode. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know why we have that. It's because we've become friends with Nick White. Uh, Nick, Nick, I love you to death, uh, but you've built these neuroses into my mind that I should preserve <laughs> all of my comics as if they were going into a museum archive. <laughs> I am feeling seen by a lot of this. Uh, when, when I was getting stacks of floppies, I would kind of do something similar to what Kate was doing where it's like you're not reading them every week you go and get a haul like once every few months and then you just read everything mm-hmm. so when I was when I had a, a functioning pull list um, I was getting like maybe 10 books a month maybe 12 and then okay. not going to pick them up for like months at a time but like I always right. went so and I'd been going to my LCS long enough where they knew that I was good for them I was just gonna come eventually <laughs> Yeah, that um, was how I always had a pull too. Yeah. So then and and then I would like read everything in one sitting. Um 
And then floppies, I feel like at some point I must have been in a chair, but a lot of this was during like high school and college when like just like kind of being splayed out on the floor or on your bed was the way to go. So um, right. now now I'm in my early 30s and um, my body doesn't like that anymore. <laughs> so I feel like yeah. the things that I did with that are no longer the way to go. Um, when I'm reading comics on... Um, on Hoopla, I'm usually reading them. I've got like a, a laptop with like a tablet mode. So I do that, but my laptop is too big for me to like have it comfortably on my lap, like maybe you yeah. would with an iPad. So I have to be like sitting up in bed with my legs in a weird place so I could like lean over and look at my I laptop. So I don't cannot. want to do that. Yeah, I can't stand reading comics on my computer screen. I Maybe it's just because I'm blind as a bat, but I need it closer than my laptop comfort, comfortably is to my face. Gotcha. And, and you then, can do that. I mean, that's what nice is, is nice about a tablet, but sorry, go yeah. ahead. Yeah. No, 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 it's okay. So um, a few years ago, I got into the... Here's... Okay, here we go. Now I'm, now I'm going to fit into the prompt that you originally wanted, Mike. Here's my weird <laughs> slash unique comic book habit. I got into the habit of um deciding that if i was if i liked a series that i knew that i liked from either like reading the floppies or getting it out from the library or whatever then i would invest in like the deluxe hardcover edition <laughs> so Ooh. i have a shelf on my bookcase that is all just like i've got new frontier absolute edition i've got like the giant library edition of monstrous volumes like one through three i've got hellboy oh, library editions one and two it's like these oversized hardcover like foil embossed cover situations and i never fucking read them because i have to be sitting on my bed with these enormous oversized <laughs> books open on my right. bed with, like, you need like a a, a, a church with that you need like a church style lectern to read a book like yeah, that, right? Yeah, but then like, also what Kate was saying about your hands can't be greasy. These are beautiful glossy pages. Yeah. I don't want right, to flip right. them. Right, so. right. <laughs> <laughs> so we all we all understand the sanctity of comic books is what I what I'm hearing is that the the physical paper while valueless and has no real long-term profitability still must be kept in the highest quality. I I, I think Absolutely. we all understand. Well, this I, is why uh, <laughs> this is why no this is why i like manga because manga as a reading experience is perfect the book can fit in your hand they're all mm -hmm. paperbacks yeah. and they don't normally have color so you and the pages are matte so you're not like freaking out about getting your little finger oils on the shiny page agreed like, agreed you know? Agreed. I and that's yeah. That is one thing that I really do like uh, about manga is that it, it does it feels it feels the right size for reading. It's as if someone in Japan actually paid attention to human beings and said, yes. if "We decided <laughs> to create something that was comfortable, easy to carry, and um, are easy to such read." Such a strange size for reading yeah. in your hand. Like it is very odd. And whoever came up with these new trade size for paperbacks in the U.S. that are like skinny and tall. Yeah. What the hell is yeah. this? Well, the thing, you know, it's funny because I think that that's like it's a, a lot of that is uh, publishers trying to say, like, look at how nice this art is. We want to give you the maximum art possible. Um, and I totally understand that. 
it's just not easy to hold on to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's it's one thing. Like I think it's great on digital. I like the size on digital because a lot of tablets and stuff are kind of are are set up yeah. to be like that. But you know, I, I remember the thing that was really interesting about the the series Runaways when it first came out is that they released the whole series in digest format. So it was the size of a manga volume, but it was in full color. Um, I wish that's that I, read it. I wish that we would go back to that. I'd like to see a series get published like that. That's not just a quote unquote children's book. I don't think Runaways is a children's book by any means, but it was published and marketed no, no, that I, way. No, I know what you mean. Like, like most of the Archie comics, I think that they do high volume sales with are the digest or double digest right, format, right. where it's like, okay, the pages are full color, but it's like that cheaper matte printing material. So, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. you know, I've got multiple boxes of those still because i'm just like but this reading experience is perfect right it well, is. i will say the runaways i i didn't like i thought i think that series would have been better with a different paper because the mat doesn't do justice to the color work oh for sure oh for sure i i definitely agree with that and i think like when you look at manga books that do feature color they do have like a handful of glossy pages right yeah exactly um, so like i i and I then just there's think, books like Maria and Marie, which is all color, all color, right, all right, color right. and glossy pages. Um, I don't know. It's it's interesting because I think, but like, then why don't we just get rid of the matte paper and bring it down to glossy, and then you know, but also print it at a smaller size. That's a whole other thing. The thing, the problem is that I think comic books, and you know, even when we think back to what I was talking about before, the serialized, you know, prose. Uh, publishing you know it was all meant to be just like throwaway supposed to be pulp it was supposed to be diamond or excuse me a dime valued fiction that doesn't really have a lot of value but somewhere at some point someone said well what if this was worth value and then people said oh shit wait hold on a second it could be worth something if we realize that there's an inherent scarcity to things that were originally supposed to be thrown away if any of those things that were thrown away survived they would have value so hold on to your beanie babies kids um because these things are going to have value in 50 years like action comics number one being this whole thing or you know amazing fantasy number 16 or 12 or whatever it is being this whole thing like it's it's all scarce. It's, it's all just based on like bullshit scarcity. Capitalism sucks. Let's just burn this whole place down. I'm done. I'm just done. Like, <laughs> do not get me started on collectible comics. Yeah, okay? yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, yeah, I know that's totally far away from the point at hand here. I just like it. It, it does come back to like you know why do we hold on? You know, if we're talking about why do we preserve these comics for some reason, we have it's been ingrained in our brain. And I know I pointed at Nick earlier, but as comic book readers, and I think as we talk to people that work at comic book shops or people that participate in the comics community there is this inherent like holiness that we hold on to for these books this is why like i feel like i talk to people that go to like zine conventions and stuff and they get all hoity-toity about saying well i've got this z this limited hundred hundred print zine that came from this semi-famous author and like they only made so many and they're never going to print it again and it's like does that have value? Is it? Does it have monetary value to you? Is it all about like a personal value to you? Why are you bragging to me about this thing that I'm never going to be able to read and you're not going to let me borrow? Like, mm-hmm. it's a whole thing. Um, um, you're, yeah. you're ready for me to make uh, some of our listeners cringe right now? Please. <laughs> Probably including Nick. Okay, so um, one of the perks of the the job I had at a comic book shop when I was in college was so like the job that I was doing is I was basically tasked with sorting through all of the miscellaneous boxes in the basement. Like there were just boxes, there were just long boxes to the ceiling of books mm-hmm. that the owner never had time to go through. So it was my job to 
organize them and like sort them so that like stuff could actually be found. Um, and, and this experience was fundamental to my understanding of American comics, because once you've got like 40 years range across multiple publishers of what's going on in the comic industry, like you like, that's how I got familiarity with like, McFarlane Spider-Man covers and mm-hmm, how mm-hmm. many freaking versions of Death of Superman there were available and like you know so just that experience going through everything but the big perk of the job besides the the knowledge that I gained the friends that I made on the way um it was the fact that I basically got first dibs on anything that I found I could just like go to the owner and be like oh can I like have this slash buy it so um here's my right so uh here's my my weird here's my weird comic book thing which i was thinking about the other day because i went through like a red sonia reading binge with like the newer stuff with like gail simone and some of the newer dynamite stuff i have like i i think a complete or almost complete run of the original marvel comics of red sonia and i have not read them yet i've had them for 10 years they are not bagged and boarded they are in a short box just mashed together i don't know what condition (laughs) they're in oh no kara they're probably bent um Uh at some point i'll read them but like i just i refuse to let go of them i refuse to back and board them because they've been sitting in a basement for a decade already there's no like value to them right right um but I'm just kind of like, I recognize that's a weird thing that I have had done and continue to do. Just like <laughs> my hoarding of this series where I'm like, I think I'll like this. I certainly like the idea of having this. There's a good story attached to it. It's just mm-hmm. all these books are mashed in a box and I have no idea what their condition is. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Before I knew who Mike Rappin was, there was a post on Facebook of this guy with a spreadsheet of comics he was trying to sell before he moved to New York. Yeah. And uh, he, one of those things was like the entire run of that Batman, uh, sorry, Batwoman series that with Kate Kane. And uh, that's the first time I met Mike. Oh yeah. (laughs) I bought bought Batwoman off him for 30 bucks. Yeah. I think of all those comics, I think I was trying to sell like 1800 comics before I moved to New York. Yeah. And I think I sold like, maybe maybe a hundred uh and i think i made like maybe f- like two hundred dollars off at maximum yeah then the rest of them that's how i met you uh and brian the second time was i you donated them to comic book club so yeah everything that i couldn't sell i ended up donating to my old college comic then they, book club. then they lived in our uh in my apartment because paperwork wasn't filed correctly for storage on campus before yeah. i took a uh, office anyway that's how i met mike was buying comics that have no value except that i love them and they're bagged right. and for and loved and kept in a short box in a climate controlled area <laughs> and they have no value except sentimental exactly exactly so i noticed one of the questions had the magic word goodreads in it do you want to mm-hmm. go into that maybe because yeah, so, i have thoughts and feelings <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so i i think that like 
Danny in the chat just said, I'm sure some of those Batwoman issues are key issues. That whole run is a key run. I'll just say that. Uh, And I'm kicking myself every day for handing it over to Kate. No, um, I'm just kidding. But yeah, the two other two other things that I did want to talk about that I had on my list here before we you know wrap up is uh, do you take screenshots or photos of the comics you're reading? And this is kind of just a yes or no thing because I like having references to weird, funny panels. But I don't know if either of you guys do that. Only if it's stupid or I'm doing a read through like i uh i I definitely took photos most prolifically when i tasked myself with reading age of apocalypse and i was like everyone is coming on this journey with me whether they want to or not (laughs) but in general that's exactly the thing I, if I put in the our document only if they're ridiculous and then I'm going to share them on Telegram. Yes. <laughs> so I, I like having, you know, different uh, record or records of like either goofy panels from comics that I really, really love, like X-Men or Dragon Ball or uh, My Hero Academia. Or when I was reading One Piece, you guys have no idea the number of screenshots of just random One Piece things that I have uh, in my camera roll because I read that all digitally. So it was perfect. Um but yeah, I just wanted to ask because I wanted to make sure that I wasn't completely weird because I always wondered, you know, on social media, people just have like perfect panels from different comics and stuff. And now I understand it when you binge read or when you get really into something um, or maybe you hit a certain stage in your comic reading habit. Eventually, you just go, I need to save that for later. And you take a, sh- a screenshot or you take a, a you know photo with your phone. So I was just curious. But the other thing was, you know, uh, do you end up posting on Twitter or Goodreads while you're reading? Like as you're going through a series, maybe you're binging, maybe you're just reading a single issue or an OGN or an, a collection um, or do you go and post on Goodreads whether that's just to rate things um, or on Twitter just to like kind of explain the ridiculousness or send a comment or a, you know a compliment to the creative team do you guys do any of that I guess Kate you said you had some thoughts so let's start with you yeah so when I was on Twitter when I was on it I would definitely tweet during reading like especially like screenshot of a certain panel if I really liked it or was like super into it and would like tag creators in it and stuff but the i don't do that now and for goodreads i know people like kate lamphere on the show will actually rate and write about each single issue and i tried that at first when i first started goodreads and was way too much for me so i go on after finishing an arc and i um rate and add to my i have like a goodreads shelf per year for graphic novels i add it to the shelf with a rating and then do it for the like trade paperback version that has that arc in it instead of single issues but i only do that at the end i don't like track it as i read for comics uh at all because i don't want a read by date on there because that messes up my goodreads like annual reading challenge because i don't want comics on it i see i see uh kara what about you i'm like on goodreads but i don't really use goodreads because until this year the idea of keeping any kind of list of what i was reading made it feel too much like homework like like even writing about so um like for me i'd just be like oh i want to read that book i read the book done um -hmm. this year with the pandemic because time is a construct and nothing matters i started keeping a list in my journal of the things that i'm watching and the things that i'm reading just so i know i'm actually doing something and not sitting still like as a person yeah even though physically i am sitting still but my my normal instinct is to not catalog in any way what media i'm consuming um that said on twitter i definitely post if i'm reading something that 
is like completely ridiculous or that I have decided to task myself with reading. Um, I've right. definitely done that a little less frequently since joining this podcast because I find that I am more articulate and sometimes funnier talking than I am writing. <laughs> so, sure. <laughs> and so like with the things like when uh, Brian and I did our Star Wars miniseries or Brian and Kate and I now doing giant days of our lives. Um, like that's, <laughs> that's kind of like my deep dive analysis format is through the medium of this show. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I didn't have the show, I might've done like a giant days read through just like posting favorite panels, like all in a long chain. And, um, you know, not necessarily for an audience, but just like for me to keep track of things. Yeah, the the book report feeling is why I don't ever write anything in the review section on Goodreads. I just give the stars and the stars are not how good it is, but how much I enjoyed it. Like it, it's very different things sometimes of was this good or was this horrible trash that I adored? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't I totally get it. Uh, that that is exactly how I use a wine app I have on my phone. I only I there I only add it's like one of those things where you like take pictures of the label of the wine and you can like read the ratings and like find out where to buy it or whatever. But I've only ever taken photos of wine where I have a a, a glass and I'm like this is great. I would drink this again. I have never referenced this list, but it's nice to know it's there if I do right. want to reference it one day. One day you're going to be desperate to be like, I need a good wine. And now you're going to know you're <laughs> going to have not, that. One. But it's like good is subjective, right? So it's like Kate was saying, she right. uses the stars to say, do I like it? So that mm-hmm. was like, oh, that's exactly how I use Vivino. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I've been trying to, and I've been terrible at it, using Goodreads the same way that I use Letterboxd, um, where Letterboxd, I go and rate movies and stuff just because there's a whole community there of people who rate movies um but i want to use goodreads for that with comics um but i actually need to just get better about it like when i finish a collection or finish an ogn just go on add my rating maybe add a little bit of snarky review and just call it good um like i don't want to write an in-depth book report by any means but i also log everything that i read to an excel spreadsheet because like carrie you were saying like i just lose track of where i am with things and i don't know did i read issue six did i read, read chapter 95 like where did i last leave off and sometimes apps don't sync well so i just don't know so i'd rather just have a single source of of certainty to know where i last left off so um that's that's my only my only thing. I th- I want to try to get more into reading or using Goodreads, especially with the Goodreads reading challenge coming up, which is uh, being announced February first. This episode we're recording on the thirty first. It'll be out on February third. But the Goodreads, you know, twenty twenty one reading challenge is starting. It's I'm very excited given the list of things that I've seen people add to this thing. It's very very cool. Um, and yeah, so I, I do want to try to use Goodreads more specifically for that as well as other things um, in the future for this year, just to see how well it can go, get some of that Goodreads clout and uh, become an influencer. That's my ultimate goal is quit my job, become an influencer and um, only read comic books on TikTok. So uh, you could look forward to that in 2021. Will you be doing little dances while you review them? Well, because I have to I'll watch that. You have to get into the trends in order to stay relevant. So, yeah, I'll be doing all the stuff. Um, you can, you know, catch me on my Twitch stream. Uh, having only fans all that kind of stuff so uh, <laughs> comic, comic book reviews in the nude <laughs> comic book review yeah in, in the nude. <laughs> yes exactly um 
Oh boy, this episode certainly got away from me uh, from the get go, and so I'm glad that we had this conversation because I think that we've we've tackled a lot of things. I guess we could wrap things up here. Unless you guys had any final thoughts about your very unique comic book habits. I do have a final thought, and it's not about a comic book habit that I have, but one that I'd like to have. Oh. So some of our friend group um, and Goodreads folks have been doing the Pop Sugar Reading Challenge for um, reading, and I use it for, like, books, but Mm -hmm. not comics. And I know, like, you, Mike, and some other folks um, use it for comics, and I have been thinking, like, I've really enjoyed it for like kind of I don't know I don't know why it's fun it's just fun for doing with my reading and I'm like I should do this this year with like do a separate list that's the same challenges but all comics because I don't like oh, the nice. idea of mixing them so much right, 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 but right. I really like the idea of doing it for that as a way to maybe even out some of my uh reading so that I'm not just never or totally reading comics right force yourself into that habit. some of my tbr like 2021 is the year that i tackle my enormous digital tbr of like comics i purchased in sale bundles or mm-hmm. like humble bundle and comiXology sales that i just have like a ludicrous number of these that i've never read i'm excited so. for you to be the the uh the master of humble bundles this year because i feel like you will be the first of this group to actually sit down and read their humble bundle books uh, <laughs> i god i don't 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 jinx me like this michael like come on if you i don't know put pressure that's on you now happen. it's never gonna happen all right so um, i'll never catch up kara any, any final thoughts from you well i started out this episode hating myself for being suckered into this weird medium but now i feel like maybe i'm just gonna go read some comics now hell yeah, <laughs> like, hell I've, yeah. Co- I've, I've come back i i got swept out of out of the the pit of despair and i'm like oh man my collected editions are really nice and in the in the chat um our listening pal danny is reminding me of um a manga called Drops of God that is about yes. wine. <laughs> How to bring my wine app yes. story full circle. Um, and we and I just discovered that uh, it is included with Prime. So I've just delivered the first volume to my Kindle Fire and will be reading that. And that screen is like the size of a manga screen. So hopefully that'll be a seamless reading experience. So I'm I'm feeling hopeful about comics again. <laughs> If it's not, you know who to bitch to. <laughs> that Kindle guy. Oh my gosh. So much pressure on me to make everyone's comic experience great. I guess I will take up the burden. Um <laughs> anyway, You're the so hero we deserve. I'm okay. I'm trying, I'm trying. Um, but you know, thank you guys for doing this episode. This is really, really fun. Um, even if we got way off topic, that I love the conversation that we had today. So um make sure that if you if you want to hear more of this wild stuff, make sure to follow Kara on Twitter. You can follow her at Kara at Kara S. Zam. You can follow me at Mike Rappin. You can follow the show at IRCB Podcast where we end on Instagram where I try to post fairly regularly. And I've got this new layout that I'm doing for all the covers of the episode. So if you haven't checked that out yet, make sure to subscribe and check that out in your podcast catcher of choice um, because it looks really, really cool. Uh, This episode first aired on Patreon and is possible because of our wonderful patrons. Join today for exclusive series like the I Read Comic Books Movie Club, Saga of Saga, and more. Our newest series is Giant Days of Our Lives, and I'm on that one. So join us at patreon.com slash IRCB podcast. 
If you haven't already, please rate and review our show. Uh, we feel like we deserve five stars, but whatever you think. On Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts, it really helps spread the word about IRCB. You can also join the IRCB Discord community to chat comics and more and listen to our episodes live as we record at ircbpodcast.com backslash discord. It would help us a lot if you tell your friends or your local comic uh, shop about the show. Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They just dropped a new single, which is in fucking incredible. Um, they do all the music and we love them to death and thank them for continuing to let us use their music. Uh, Xander is a is the editor of our show. He's also just like a fun person to talk to. Um, he has uh, just a whimsical, wonderful voice and uh, love hearing his voice on the internet. Uh, until next time, I want to say thank you to Danny and and Saint who are hanging out with us on the, on the Discord chat. Thank you to Kate and Kara for being on this episode. Thank you to everyone out there who listens to the show and shares it and tells their friends about it. We really, really appreciate it. Um, until next time comics are good and so are you